Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Community Is Our Middle Name podcast, proudly brought to you by GCH, Grampians Community Health. Of course, here for you, your family, and our community. My name is Gareth Olver, and I'm really pleased to be with you again for another year. We're going to be talking about a whole heap of different things this year. Got some good stuff in the pipelines for the podcast. But this week, we're kicking it off with the Community Health First Initiative. Now, if you're wondering what that is, I spoke with GCH CEO Greg Little and uh, Anna Robinson, who is the CEO of Access Health and Community in Melbourne, to talk a bit more about it. Of course, they're far more at the coalface of the Community Health First Initiative than what I am. So it's uh, good to get some perspectives as well from them about how it can be a bit different working in community health in metro areas versus regional areas like we offer here at GCH. Uh, if you want more information about the Community Health First initiative, there will be some info in the podcast about how you can get in touch, share your stories, and uh, just generally support what is a, uh, a great initiative just to make sure that government doesn't forget the important role community health plays in our healthcare system in Victoria. So, here it is. Here's my conversation with the two CEOs from the two organisations about Community Health First Initiative on the Communities and Middle Name podcast, proudly brought to you by Grampians Community Health. This week I'm talking Community Health First Initiative, which is a new initiative from the community health organisations right across Victoria. We have one of the best community health uh, services in the world, really. I'm speaking with Grampians Community Health CEO, Greg Little, and Anna Robinson, who is the CEO for Access Health and Community. And Anna, you are based in Richmond, is that right? Yeah, I am. Access Health and Community um, is a community health service based in the eastern suburbs of Melbourne, but I'm coming to you from Richmond today. So thanks for giving up some time. And Greg, I know uh, we were talking off air, you've been all over the shop lately. Uh, thanks for giving up a bit of time this morning as well. Uh, it's the joy of being a CEO. We we get to see a lot of the countryside, especially us, us bush CEOs. So, um, no, nah, it's a pleasure to join you and, and welcome Anna to our podcast. Thanks, Greg. Well, you're right, Greg. We we were talking about this yesterday, actually, in the office in Ararat. We cover 10 local government areas uh, at Grampians Community Health from the South Australian border right across the central goldfields up into the Mallee down to the southern Grampians. So, yeah, we do cover a, a, a really wide area. And Anna, I'll, I'll ask you about this because Greg and I have spoken about this on another episode of the podcast, uh, which go back and listen to, find us on Spotify. What In city areas, in metro areas, areas you cover, do people have a real understanding of what community health is and how it differentiates from your main, well, I'll use the, the term mainstream, even though we're mainstream health as well, but things like doctors and, and allied health. Yeah, so it's a really good question. And I think, you know, part of the reason why we wanted to form Community Health First is we really wanted to highlight what is unique about community health. Um, people might not know, but community health was actually established 50 years ago by the Whitlam government, and it was something that was established nationally. So this is the 50th anniversary of community health. 
Um, but actually, Victoria is the only state that has held on to community health in um, in its current form. So we're really fortunate to have that infrastructure in Victoria. Um, but I do think community health is quite unique. And I think the things that really make it unique is um, that really social model of um, care. And, you know, I know Greg and um, our rural and regional um, teams are very similar to our metropolitan community health services in this regard, that we really treat the whole person. So if someone presents with a, you know, broken arm in one of our general practice clinics, we don't just treat their broken arm. We also, you know, talk to them about whether they're isolated or maybe having, you know, drug and alcohol issues or experiencing family violence. And we either connect them with those services that we deliver or we connect them into one of the many community partners that we have. So I actually think we might, um, the way that those services might look and be delivered might be a little bit different in rural and regional communities, but actually we're really similar in that we all bring that model of working to the work. So Greg, you and I spoke about 12 months ago, I reckon it was uh, on this podcast about the role of GCH in our communities. We're coming out of COVID, the, the dreaded C word and all the, uh, all the lockdowns and all the, the additional stuff that's gone on since then. In that 12 months, what changes have you seen for how we deliver our community health services in, in our part of the world? Yes, yeah, so I think that we learned an awful lot during the period of lockdowns and things that were impossible um, suddenly became possible because we had to find solutions to make them happen. And the, the thing with um, rural community health is that, we, as we said before, we cover an awful lot of territory and um, people now have the ability to do telehealth a lot more than they've ever had before. And we actually learned how to do that. So, we, you know, as Anna said, we, we see people come into our services and we then identify what their, their needs are. And they're probably things that they don't even identify for themselves as being their primary cause, but they're, they're issues that um, contribute to their health overall. And so people come to Grampians Community Health or Ballarat Community Health or any of the rural and or metro community health services, and they come for the purpose of, of getting whatever it is, their broken arm or or their drug and alcohol counselling. But we now have that capacity to really be able to form that relationship and to maintain that relationship for a long period. So um, whether people want to come into our office or we can connect with them, it's so much easier now than what we've ever had before because we, we established a relationship. The, the attendance rates are actually a lot higher than what we've seen prior to COVID because people um, are different in how they want to get services and we're a lot more flexible about how we deliver those services now. And have you seen something similar in metro areas? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think this is one of the things that I think the community health services can be incredibly proud of is the way that over the past couple of years, we really demonstrated what having a really robust um, and excellent community health system can deliver for communities. I mean, COVID, I think all of our metropolitan and our regional and rural community health services were deeply involved in getting our communities through that crisis, whether that was setting up testing centres or, you know, running um, general practice respiratory clinics 
or just being there to make sure that people who are living in high-risk accommodation settings, public housing, rooming houses, actually were connected in with health systems, had access to things like masks and the like, going and knocking on doors. Um, but equally, I think, you know, part of that medical model, um, so we did all the medical work, but we were also doing all the things to make sure people weren't so socially isolated and lonely, that they had access to food, um, that they had someone to chat to, because we know that a lot of people really did it tough. So I think that community health over the last few years has really demonstrated its value and what it can deliver and the immense capacity we have, both from a clinical perspective, but equally from that social perspective and the ability to bring those two things together and really be there when our communities need us. So I think we've got a lot to be proud of and I think a lot of innovation there that we can really build on as we think about the next 50 years of community health. COVID didn't do anyone any favours, but one of the things that did show to the government and you know, community health first has has really you know put this back to the government is that when the the stuff was hitting the fan over COVID, community health was the one that was there, not just with our health model and our medical model, but with that social support. And we didn't go away during COVID. We actually stepped up and actually delivered a lot more around that social determinants of health. As Santa said, the, the home isolation, the um, high-risk accommodation, um, being able to engage with people who the traditional health services couldn't engage with or the um, the COVID response from the, the government couldn't engage with. The community health were the ones that stepped up for that. And I think that was probably a little bit of the impetus of where community health first came from is that it's great when we were needed during the period of the pandemic, but afterwards things in the health system seem to have dropped off and gone back a and a lot of the concern was about how we're going to hospital beds and our ED departments and our AMBOs are all struggling. And all of a sudden they forgot that there was an awful lot of good work that could be done by community health, working on with people on their needs um, that actually stops these presentations in hospital, that stops the AMBOs having to be called. And if we can be part of that broader health system in the first thinking, then we can make a huge difference to what the health system can provide to Victorians. It's really looking at it holistically, Anna, isn't it? That uh, you mentioned with someone coming into one of your centres, maybe with a broken arm, and then you talk them through, you know, any other issues they may have. Um, and it's that part of the community health first initiative is to to get perhaps people in government to realise that you know we do have a system where we can look at a person's health on that holistic level. I think government is very much aware that they're very, particularly in Victoria, that they're very lucky to have the community health infrastructure that they do have. Um, but I think our health system is in crisis in Australia. And you look at the conversations that we're having at the moment. The most recently released data from government, we had more than 500,000 avoidable presentations to hospital in the last year in Victoria, costing us over $3 billion. That is extraordinary. Um, and then you look at the conversations that we're having about Medicare and how unsustainable the Medicare system is. And so we're at a point in Australia where we're having a having a really important conversation around what our health system needs to look like going forward. And what Community Health First is seeking to do is to say, actually, 
community health should be the first thing that we're thinking about because we know that if we've got a really robust community health infrastructure, we can avoid people needing to turn up to hospital in the first place. Not always, but a really significant portion of the time, whether that's because their chronic disease is not being well managed, whether it's because they've got a whole bunch of other things going on besides their medical condition that we need to make sure that we're actually addressing alongside their medical needs. We know that we can stop people turning up to hospital in the first place if we get community health working the way we know it can. Um, so I think that's really the conversation that we're looking to have, Gareth, which you know we all know we can do um, a lot more to solve some of these tricky problems that we're facing at the moment. It would be nice for people as well to sort of, I mean, when I say people, I mean general public, to come to come to the point where they they then think, well, you know, maybe I do need to go see someone at at GCH or Access Health. Uh, you know, before necessarily going, you know, if it's mental health issues or something like that, because most people automatically go to the GP and I'm not discouraging people from going to the GP, but I I do know that especially in rural areas and regional areas, um, and Greg can attest to this as well, uh, doctors are becoming harder to find. It's a four-week wait for Ararat Medical Centre, for example, and they won't take you unless you live in the Ararat postcode area. We're seeing medical health professionals getting lost right across rural areas, probably happening in the cities too, I know I'm, I'm not across that, but um, Greg, with the Community Health First initiative, that's really one of the whole things, like Anna mentioned, isn't it, to sort of get people to take a closer look at what we offer. Yeah, definitely, Gareth. I mean, there's no wrong door, and that's one of the things that Community Health do really well, is actually work in partnership with um, general practice, health services, other faith-based services. So. If someone comes to us and they need support, if we're not the right place for it, we don't turn people away. Um, people will get the support they need if it's not from us or from wherever. So I think that's the way we want everyone to think right across is to say, if you go to a general practice and, and they treat your with your prescription and and send you on your way. But I'd rather them not send you on your way. I'd rather them say, hey, look, go and see Grampians Community Health or Access Health or one of those because you've got other things that can be addressed. Um, yeah, we are community health first. That's what we want people to think. But I think our message too is we're part of that system that um, really can look after people holistically and and make sure if it's even if it's not us that we'll put people on the right path to be able to get the support they need. Well, I think um, Gareth, you also raised. I think it raises a really interesting point. And one of the things that we learned during COVID is there are a lot of people in our community who are just accessing no healthcare at the moment that the and not engaged in the service system at all and. You know, one of the programs which many community health services were, um, were engaged in delivering was the high-risk accommodation response during COVID, which basically allowed us to go out and knock on people's door and find those people and connect them in with services. And they're often the people that are ending up in, in EDs or in hospital unnecessarily because they never have never accessed a service at all. So we need to stop waiting for those people to come and find us and we need to make sure that we're actually resourced to be able to go out and find those people where they are and really make sure that they do get connected in with the supports that they need. And also, you know, Anna talks about going and um, finding 
people, but people need to know what we provide. And community health is a great unknown. Um, it is because it's so broad and our commonality across community health is that we don't turn people away when, you know, the frequent flyers that might turn up at ED departments and, and people cringe or they shut the doors because they know that they're just there for a, a warm bed for the night and, or they actually don't need any support. They just need that social connection. They're the ones that we don't turn away. They're the ones that we connect in. Um, and, you know, what Grampians Community Health offers is different to Access, which is different to Ballarat, which is different to Northern District, which is different to CoHealth. They're all, we all offer different services, which has been really hard for the government to actually quantify what community health is because we are all so different in the services we offer. But the commonality is that we all work with people in the social determinants of health, that we all work with them about what their connection is to community, what their safety is, what their housing is, what their family environment is. Um, they're the things that underpin good health and that's our commonality. And that's what we have to try and get that message out. It doesn't matter which service you go to, these are the things that you're going to get supported with when you come to us. Community Health First Initiative is launching this week. Anna, what sort of things can people expect to see out of the Community Health First Initiative that we'll be putting out there to people, you know, via our, our marketing channels? Yeah, great. Um, so, yeah, very excited to see Community Health First launching this week. And I think really excited that it brings together every registered community health service and we're really presenting a united front. I think really importantly is just to showcase the work that community health does and to get the message out around what community health is, because I think it's not a well understood model um, necessarily. And so we really want to be able to showcase the incredible work that our sector does. Um, but we're really looking to start that important conversation with government and other decision makers around what a good health system looks like and the role that community health can play in a great health system, because we know that we can be part of the solution for government to the really challenging questions and um, issues that our health system is facing. So I think you should see lots of really great stories about the work of community health. You should see opportunities to get involved and sign up to support the work that we do, um, but really importantly, um, contributing to that conversation around what does a great health system look like and what, what role can community health play in that great health system. We're so lucky in Victoria. We are so lucky in Victoria to have community health. Um, we're, we're the envy of other states and territories. So let's make sure we're actually using it to deliver better health outcomes for our communities. Yeah, and no, I couldn't agree more with that. Um, Greg, you've uh, done a bit of travelling, as mentioned earlier, you've been on the road a bit, speaking with other CEOs, other people in the community health sector. You know, some of your colleagues in in Arch, for example, which is the now, let's see if I get this right, uh, Alliance of Rural and Regional Community Health. Spot on, Gareth. I'm all over. This is why you pay me the big bucks. Um, what's what's the uh, what's the general vibe of people around the Community Health First Initiative that are in the sector? Are people really confident that this might make a difference in getting that understanding out there? I ask. Community health CEOs, we're so intelligent, we know it's going to. That's not the hope. <laughs> but look, in, in all honesty, it's already um, 
done a lot of good for community health and that it's open dialogue with the minister's office. It, you know, the, the initiative is really about having the conversations with government about making sure that the um, people in the community understand what we're about. It's about having government departments actually consider us as part of the health system and as a key partner when they're looking at rolling out um, programs and initiatives across the state to fix some of this health crisis, um, the community health is considered. And I think we've already had those wins on the board with our um, soft launch that we started a month ago with Community Health First, because they are t starting to take notice. They are saying, what's going on? And, you know, the, the government are actually um, supporting the launch at Parliament House. So, yeah, that's that's something that we would have hoped for back when we came together and started talking about community health first. The dialogue is happening, and that's an important step. If nothing else comes of this, but I'm sure there'll be lots of other things that come from it, but it, it's actually got us a seat at the table at the moment. And we have really good representation through VCOS and the VHA and other peaks. Um, and as individuals, we've all got relationships with our local members. But this is probably the first time for a long time that the minister and the departments are actually saying to us, we want to talk to you. We're, you know, we've heard what you've said about COVID and what you can offer us. Um, it's time we actually listened and, and spoke, had really good dialogue. It's an incredibly opportune moment that we're in um, because obviously we're also having a conversation around Medicare reform and the Medicare task force. And I think what's really interesting, if you read that Medicare task force report, um, is the model that they're proposing is actually the model of care that community health already does. So there's an opportunity for community health in Victoria to really lead the country around what great healthcare looks like. Um, and demonstrate a model of care that hopefully can be replicated in other states and territories as well. Uh, we we'll always lead the way here in Victoria, don't we? We sure um, do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Greg, how long has the, has the Community Health First initiative sort of been on the table for? When did you guys first sort of get together and, and start nutting this out? Oh, Bit of a history lesson. Um, well, I suppose Community Health First has been on the table for 50 years, but um, I think in the lead up to the last year's election, um, you know, Community Health through Arch and through um, the Community Health CEOs were probably a little bit disappointed when it came to the last election. And, you know, the last election was a health election. The, it was Front and centre was the the crisis that we were having in Victoria around our um, hospital admissions, around our ambulance um, waiting times. And when we seen the um, all parties, not, not anyone in particular, all parties, there wasn't one of them that actually said community health have got a critical role to play in, um, in being part of the solution. And... That's when Anna and I spoke um, and, you know, Arch had done a lot of work in the background about establishing what our value proposition was. Anna and I spoke about what the value proposition was and the commonalities. And I think that really started us off on our journey then to say, well, okay, how do we 
take the initiative ourselves rather than relying on other people um, who have got so many other things they've got to deal with in the world. This is for us. Let's put community health first and take the initiative ourselves. And that, yeah, was sort of in the lead up and post the last election in November last year that this really um, kicked into gear because we realised we had to do something to to get that dialogue happening, um, to get um, people to start saying, hey, community health has a role to play, whether it's in policy, whether it's in the Medicare reforms, whether it's just in consideration of of rolling out things. Um, and, you know, we're not too bad in in the Grampians with our infrastructure, but I can tell you a lot of the community health services in metropolitan Melbourne are, you know, there's holes in walls and moulds on roofs and, you know, they, they need that that investment into them just as much as the hospitals do. So that's the sort of dialogue we needed to have. Well, I'm 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 legitimately shocked by that. Normally, it's the other way around. It's the uh, the places in the city <laughs> oh, look, that I'm, are... sure, I'm sure there's some rural and regional um, health community health centres that would very much need some infrastructure. I think for us, one of the things that we're really looking to do is to make sure that when we're talking about infrastructure planning or workforce planning, as an example, that those conversations are not just about health infrastructure, um, hospital infrastructure and hospital workforce, they're about the broader health system. And we need to make sure that we're considering not only the hospitals in those conversations. So that's a really important component of all of this for us, is just making sure that community health is in those conversations too. And I think one of the things that does get forgotten a little bit by government, because we're standalone or independent community health, it seems like, okay, well, you're private companies, you're out there a little bit on the side, but we are very much part of the Health Services Act. We're very much accountable to government for the things we do. Um, but more than that, we've actually got really good clinical capabilities. We're not, you know, um, the hippies on the hill that, that you know, years ago, um, highly accredited has got really good clinical governance and policies around it and is accountable to the government at the same as um, hospitals are. So I think that gets forgotten a little bit in the mix that we're not just small, small isolated services. We're actually got an incredible amount of clinical capability. We've got an incredible amount of clinical governance and there's also an awful lot of governance government oversight in the work that we do um, and accountability to the government. And you and I spoke last time you were on the podcast, Greg, about how we almost provide services from cradle to the grave, really. We have, like at Grampians Community Health, we have things like your Healthy Mothers, Healthy Babies, and then, you know, you have your, your youth programs, like your youth AOD, right through your mental health programs, drink, drug, drive programs, into your aged care stuff with our care at home, uh, sorry, GCH Assist and you know, uh, aged care packaging, NDIS, and people sort of don't realise just how broad a range of, of services that community health provides. And that's one of the things that um, we've learned over our journey is that people in their life will have, I think it's, from memory, it's about eight, uh, eight connections with a hospital. So, yeah, they'll obviously get born in a hospital, but during... Oh, not not anymore, I suppose. Um, but most people, yeah, well, when they're an infant, they'll have some connection to a to a hospital, and then at other times throughout their life, they'll go in for bits and bobs and 
fix-ups and tune-ups and and hopefully nothing major. But it's about eight times in someone's life they'll have a relationship with a hospital. What community health does is actually have a lifelong relationship with people. Now, that's not to say we want to have people be dependent on us, but it's actually that connection you have with people throughout their whole lives um, because it's about working with them in their lives, not just on their health. Yeah, exactly. And and that's, I guess, one of the messages that we're, that we're trying to get across with the Community Health First initiative, not just to the public, but also to, to government as well. Um, Anna, I, I realise that you and Greg are both very busy, so I'll, I'll give you both a little bit of time to uh, to give me some some closing statements and to let uh, people know where they can get more information. Yeah, great. Um, and thank you for having me on, Gareth. I think I'd just like to say that I really feel like community health has shown what it's worth and what it can deliver over the last few years and, and honestly for the last 50 years. And Really now the conversation needs to be around what is community health, what can community health deliver for our communities over the next 50 years if we have the right conversations, right policy, right investment, right infrastructure, the sky's the limit. And I think never has that conversation been more pressing. So I'd really encourage people if they haven't checked out our website yet, communityhealthfirst.org.au, there's some really great opportunities to sign up as a supporter of community health, but equally to share your stories of community health, either as a worker or consumer, um, and check out some of the great good news stories about the work that community health does. Um, but really looking forward to building that story of what community health is going to be doing for the next 50 years with Greg and the rest of the CEOs. And Greg, I'll, uh, I'll open the floor up to you to, for some uh, closing remarks. Closing remarks. So I think, I think firstly, thanks, Gareth, for having both Anna and myself on today to talk about community health first, because we're really passionate about it. And I hope that's come across in what um, we've spoken about today. But our passion's not just about community health and the, the services we can provide, but it's about our community. And, um, and I think as health services, we're probably the the services that are closely connected to our community the most. Um, the launch on this Thursday, the the 23rd at Parliament House, I think it's the 23rd, yep. um, at Parliament House is going to be just a platform for us. It's not the, the final product, but I think it's great that we're actually going to, as community health CEOs, not take the, the main stage at this launch. It's not about me or Anna or any of the other community health CEOs. We're actually quite shy people, to be honest. Uh, introverted. It'll be about our staff. It'll be about our clients and consumers. And they'll be the ones that'll have the, the platform speaking to the decision makers in Parliament House about how community health can makes a difference in people's life. Um, so I'm really looking forward to the next 50 years of what community health can bring. I think if we've got this far in our first 50 years the sky is the limit um, and if people know more about what we can do we can make so much of a difference in people's lives and make Victoria a much healthier happier and safer place for our community so as Anna said you can find Community Health First on the internet they've got their website go and check that out and Community Health First is also across social media Instagram Facebook and Twitter Thank you both for giving up some time today um, to have a chat on the Communism in the Name podcast. Thank you.
Thanks, Thanks Gareth. Once again, a big thank you to Greg and Anna for giving up some time to come on the Community is Our Middle Name podcast, talk about the Community Health First initiative, uh, which is launching this week, this Thursday, the 23rd of February. So uh, get behind it, have a look on the internet, uh, see what you can find out about it, check out the website, check them out on social channels as well. Speaking of socials channels, you can find GCH on the socials channels. We are on Facebook, facebook.com slash Grandkids Community Health. We are on Instagram and now on Snapchat at GCH Grampians. So give us a follow on all of those. You can also find us on YouTube and our website is gch.org.au. And on our website, you can find all the services we provide, including but not limited to alcohol and other drug support, carer support, family violence assistance, NDIS and aged care support, including NDIS support coordination and plan management, mental health services, counselling across a wide range of areas, and much, much more. And we cover a very large portion of the state, as you heard on the podcast, Northern Grampian Shire, Arrow Rural City, Horsham Rural City, West Wimmera Shire, Hindmarsh Shire, Yarriambiak Shire, Bull Oak Shire, Southern Grampian Shire, Pyrenees Shire, and Central Goldfields Shire region. So that takes up a big chunk of the west and northwest of our state. You can uh, download and subscribe to this podcast whenever you like on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. It'd be really good if you uh, gave us a follow on those and then you get the podcast directly to your listening device, your phone or your tablet or wherever you listen to podcasts. Maybe you listen to them uh, on your PlayStation as a background while you're gaming. I don't know. That's uh, something I do with music actually on Spotify for those wondering. The intro and outro music is an original composition performed by our very own Andrew Parsons, and we use that with his permission, and we give him our thanks. And I would also like to take the time to acknowledge that this podcast was recorded and produced on the traditional lands of the Jabwarong people, and we pay our respects to all elders past, present, and emerging, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal people. My name is Gareth Oliver. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Get behind Community Health First initiative. It's a great initiative to get more support for our community health sector, which, as you heard, is a uh, a worldwide leading sector and is the envy of all the other states and territories in Australia. We're very lucky to have it in Victoria, so get behind the Community Health First initiative. My name is Gareth Oliver. Thank you so much for being part of the show with me this week. I can't wait to talk to you again very shortly. So on behalf of everyone here at Grampians Community Health, who are, of course, here for you, your family and our community, well, till next time, so long. Mm-hmm.